All these factors are thought out in these think tanks. This is all coming from think tanks that operate for these this cabal, these, these agencies, the 17 agencies. They have think tanks. I was actually being recruited to be part of a think tank, right? So that's what they're doing. They try to use minds that are bright to come up with ways to subjugate the rest of us and then thumb God away. Basically, they have a view of harnessing God, they say, where they don't believe God is a being. They believe God is a uh, is representative of their power and they want to harness that power. So they don't conceptualize like we do in faith. They think faith is silly. That's what's um, echoed in the immortals. In the end, God outwits man when man tried to outwit God. That's the end of the Matrix story. If you want to see the thinking of the Cabal, go to World War I, World War II. What was one of the main tactics used in World War I? The British, the Germans, they all did it. They tried to get indigenous to turn on themselves. They tried to get a jihad going. Look at Lawrence of Arabia. They tried to get, the British tried to get a jihad going in Turkey, Ottoman Empire, so that the Arabs would take take the Ottomans out, basically, by taking, you know, uh, the different places and promising them their own sovereignty and then not delivering it, never planning to give it. Even Lawrence Arabia knew they weren't going to give it to them. What they're doing is they're trying to get people to do these very things, to rise up on their, against their own, create chaos, and then their plan is that after they deal with each other, they'll come in and take what they want and set up what they want. Welcome to the Days of Noah podcast, where we talk all things biblical, supernatural, and strange. On this episode, Luke and I are privileged to bring back, again, Tom Althaus, the rightful and true creator of The Matrix, as he called it in his script, The Immortals. And Tom unpacks quite a bit of the playbook of the Cabal for us today. And as we titled the video, The Elites Versus the Vulgar Masses, that is, in their own writings, the Freemasonic elites' words for us. Pawns in the game of these world elites that think they know better and can do whatever they wish with us. So Tom unpacks quite a bit of things. He starts talking about the motivation for the Maui fires, Uh, We tie that to the Canada fires, how they have the technology to laser focus and start these things and use those disasters pre-planned for their own agendas. Tom gets into think tanks, how the elites uh, draw up these plans to push their agenda towards the one world government further. And then we discuss child trafficking, how in the world wars and even the civil war, It was a free-for-all, and men did things that they never thought they ever would. And it became established, as it had been for, you know, hundreds and thousands of years, really, already. But the child trafficking uh, hub being established uh, by the British Empire and, unfortunately, adopted by the USA. And now we are the number one purveyor and distributor of child sex trafficking. 
With all of that and much more, this is the first half of our conversation with Tom. So enjoy. And guys, remember to like, share, and subscribe. Follow us on your favorite podcast platform so you get notified of each new episode. Make sure to send a link to your family and friends. Tell them about the show. And if you get value out of our work, click one of the support links in the show notes to help keep these episodes on the air and keep the research going. We appreciate each and every one of you out there, and thanks so much for listening. And with that, let's jump in with Tom Althaus. Well, welcome back, Tom Althaus. We're uh, we're happy to have you back here on the Days of Noah podcast with uh, Luke and myself, and we're going to do our best to try to pick up where we left off. Um, I reviewed our last um, recording, and we mentioned a few topics that we were going to try to cover. And uh, if we overlap some on on some of these things that we talked about, I think that'll be okay for context. But there's a few things that we were going to talk about. And um, just a brief rundown of those. Um, we were going to talk about your thoughts on Ukraine and Biden and um, a lot of the uh, nefarious stuff that's going on there. Um, and then, uh, you know, it's a little bit dated on the news as far as um, what happened in Maui. Um, but I think you had some some insights on that as well. And then I had made a note, too, about death coaches. And I don't mm. know if you had unpacked that because that's a term that you had used and kind of the the Hollywood Warner Brothers push for trans. Right. The trans movement, euthanasia. So maybe we could talk about that. I would like to. I also thought um, with everything going on with Israel and the fighting, um, if you had any thoughts on that, I feel like... And we asked uh, Dr. Laura Sanger about that, too. And, and she said, well, check her book, she said, because she has a chapter on the Khazarians. All right. Right. Yeah. So kind of this. Have you from are you familiar with that mm-hmm. term? Mm-hmm. OK, so kind of this, I guess I would put it as like a false, false chosen people. Right. right. False Israel. Right. right. Um, it's almost like identity theft. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like like the Rothschilds are exactly unquote, exactly that kind of thing. So that's something that's been kind of on my mind and heart the last few weeks. More like I need to dig into this because it's. I think there there may be some, yeah, false identity in in that. Um, but I also want to revisit. I think it was chapter five of her book, uh, which was uh, the roots of the Federal Reserve. For those listening, right, if you right. don't have Doctor Laura's book, very good. Um, it's a big one. Um, I got through it a lot faster with Audible, of course. And then some, we were also going to talk about CIA and and your recruitment by them into Freemasonry. Right. And I know we touched a little bit on your background there, but I would like to unpack that okay. some more. And then um, you, you wanted to talk about, too, the Matrix scenes and yes. the real life meanings behind that. Yes, and where they're derived from. Um, these are all yeah. very important topics for me. So yeah. thank you. Yeah, for sure. I mean, as best we can, I want to fill in um, a lot of the most important bullet points. So right. 
Yeah, where do you want to start? Goodness gracious. The thing that <laughs> what pops to mind right away is Maui. I, I don't want Maui to be forgotten or the children there to be forgotten, especially since I worked with them for 11 years being like Uncle Tom. On the island in Maui, you are uncle, auntie. It's very family oriented. And if you're accepted into that society, you are um, a family member, basically. You're not just a, a homeowner or a um, person who's living on the island. You are part of a network of uh, coconut wireless, they call it. So it's like Ohana. And uh, there's amazing things that happen while you're on the island where there seem to be traditions that are, and myths and things like this through like many ancient cultures where they seem to have roots that actually are still uh, vibrating today. And it goes to faith and religion and um, history and um, stuff that's uh, your background and beliefs tie together. It's, it's interesting that in faith, often there's a blending of culture with faith. And it seems that God seems to operate within uh, the parameters of certain cultures, that it's easier for the people of that culture to understand him. He speaks their language, in a sense, spiritually. And it's, it's fascinating. On Maui, it's no exception. So when they hit Maui, I believe it was a, um, it was a spiritual attack as well as a physical one. And that was a hit by our own uh, government and the government attached mainly to the different bodies that comprise the cabal, Hollywood, the uh, a mafia had strong presence on Maui. I actually worked under uh, a business that was owned by the mafia. That was actually uh, Tony and Tita's wedding. And it sounds like a joke, but Tony and Tita's wedding out of New York, Broadway, was actually transplanted to Las Vegas, Maui, and things different places like that. And so it had you know tentacle roots. And I was hired to play multiple roles, and it paid well. It was great people, but it was all New York based, and that was connected to the mafia present on presence on Maui. In fact, yeah. yeah. Ma- Maybe unpack kind of, yeah, what you're talking about as far as a hit and, and what was planned there. I mean, what is your insight or, or you know, the people that you're connected to mm-hmm. are saying what went really went on? It's basically a land grab. It's, it goes back to what happened to indigenous populations um, on in the mainland where they would go and just take the land, almost like a genocide. In um, Maui, my understanding is a targeted genocide where Lahaina is the heart and soul of their culture. Go to Avatar. In Avatar, there's hints of what's coming. Just like uh, they took my material and put it in Avatar, the people who wrote Avatar, they layered it in. James Cameron stuck in all this information as a joke, but also put it in plain sight. And he wasn't helping us. He was, wasn't warning us, but he was putting in things that were to be. Part of that is when the main uh, commander is talking about, the colonel is talking about how um, they're going to strike their heart of souls, you know, their, their tree of life, and they're going to wipe it out. And that will, he says, it will render them uh, neutered, basically. It will destroy their uh, spiritual psyche. Lahaina is that. Lahaina is the uh, former capital center, the most important historic, one of the most important historic areas on, in Hawaii, the whole uh, acapella. And it's like what you have is if you're going to hit a spot that means one of the most, according to mainland thought, you would hit Lahaina. You know, it's right near also the Valley of the Kings, things like that. Now, you would argue in Hawaii, if you're part of that culture, that all sites are sacred, that, you know, there are all these sacred sites. 
just like they say in Avatar, you hit a fern, you're going to hit one of their people. My God, you know, they're, you know, they're considered backwards. Well, actually, it's a rich culture. We know that. And it was seen that um, uh, people that were not indigenous were coming in and buying up land, speculating and making a killing, they thought, off the real estate market by buying up prime land. Then what they were doing was building up these beautiful homes that became eyesores. They didn't fit the environment. And they were on top of the mountains and picking these great sites. These were sites that people, I, I remember even the old in Wailuku, when I first was there, I was brought in by elders on Hawaii and musicians, and they brought me in to be successful, they said. I was brought in by Disney and elders on Maui. And the complaint at this beautiful bed and breakfast when I first got there was that these uh, land buyers from California and such were putting these on sacred sites and special views so that their home would then dominate off these mountains, the vista. And what's going on is people would look up at a place where they were spiritually seeking solace and connection and see this mansion up there. That is not what was supposed to be. Now, there was a battle that went on for a long time with, you know, codes and stuff like this. This becomes the point. There was a building code in Lahaina. You can't touch historic areas. You can't alter anything without, you know, going against the code. So Lahaina was an historic town. It had the old banyan tree. It had, that's what the captains, whalers would see when they were back there in the 1800s. You had also um, the Pioneer Inn. There's so much there, right? And then it was a mecca for artists and stuff and culture to thrive along the boardwalk. So you had this, and I did Tony and Tina's wedding, performing there in different roles at the Hyatt and at the, the um, along the boardwalk area and at different resorts. And, um, and, and Tony is again. Tony and Tina's wedding is an Italian mafia marriage okay. reenacted that was done on Broadway. If you look it up. Ah, I see. So I would play Tony the bridegroom. So I was given all this uh, connection. And in fact, the cruise lines like Disney and such, the cruise lines, Norwegian cruise lines, the one of their um, uh, personnel finders, headhunters that find uh, staff and hire people and search them out, wanted to hire me to do the show I was also doing under the Disney director, which was um, Irma Vep, and I was doing also um, Little Shop of Horrors. They wanted to hire me, uh, so when they saw the show, their staff, onto the cruise lines, which are also connected to Disney because it was the Disney director that put me in that role and set me up when I first came to Maui. So I was being brought in, groomed after the pitch session and made privy to all sorts of connections between mafia, Disney, religious right, um, agencies, the government. And that's also when I was being recruited for the Masons with the uh, guys who were like um, operatives. They said there was 12 operatives for the CIA on Maui, 12 families, they called it. So it's, it's mind-boggling. It's like a spider web. But that's all going. So Maui was a central for the cabal. You also have the military bases and the observatories and what's going on in the skies. There's a lot of activity happening there uh, from uh, space. I'll just call it that. That they're noting all the time. The locals know it all the time. They've seen it all the time. A hot spot with the volcanoes and everything. No joke intended. So what happens is you have basically coming down to a land grab. How the question is this for the cabal? How do you get land? It sounds like the Matrix story, the immortals. How do you get people with free will and indigenous people with their rights to give their free will over to you and let you have their most sacred land? 
There's the question. Now you can see the think tanks going. What are they going to do? Well, they have new tech, great tech. The Pentagon has it, but they're not releasing it to Congress. Congress is being, have their uh, nose thumbed at them because they're, they're not having oversight on them because of the very man we talked about in the FBI who's lifelong on the Ways and Means Committee, Brian Fitzpatrick, who reported my sister, is yes. the one that disrupted Ukraine. See how these topics all tie together? And he's the one that disrupted Ukraine, was sent there personally by the FBI in 2014, in 2013, 2014, to stabilize their government so the Pentagon can then make it a puppet state and do biolabs and everything. It's all true, and it's all coming out. They were trying to tweak Putin's nose to create a war where they could blame him. This is Hollywood and agency tactics. In okay. and blame the others. You do the horror and blame them for the horror. Now that's an avatar. You know, I hope it doesn't sound like I'm talking in circles, but this is a circular yeah. picture, right? right? It's all tied together. Follow me now. So I'm talking in layers, but it all ties together neatly. It's like a Forrest Gump story. So you've so got, what is, yeah. It, yeah. So what is the tech then? Because it, you, are we talking about what started la- the It's lasers. Yes. It's, it's a laser thing okay. where, um, it, it will be an intense thing. We have that tech and they can do it from uh, large planes that are government planes. And uh, they can literally set up a smoke screen too. Um, they've been spraying skies and things like that. So they can change dynamics and send down a focused beam. Now we know this because if we look at Lahaina, let's go back to Lahaina, then we'll go to the reasons why. Bring me back to the reasons okay. why they did it. It's, I think, in layers as a writer. So I'm giving you the full picture account. But um, it's like um, piano keys, like behind, right beside you. I'm hitting different keys of the same piano, the same story. So we're going from motive to how, why, who. We're covering all that in this dialogue. So if I seem to stray from a certain aspect and you want to go to it, bring me back to it. So bring me back to hows and whys. Now, um, Let's go to your question again. Give me your question again because my mind's on different. On on the tech, so the lasers, and I wondered if this might, oh. it just came to mind now, if this is connected to the Canada wildfires because I've I've seen people yeah. uh, post these these aerial images, right. you know, the radar footage that, you know, the, that uh, whatever you see on the, on the weather. You're watching the weather and they're showing stuff. And they showed all of these pillars of smoke all these wildfires in canada and they started at like virtually the same second right right that's the thing now here's the interesting thing about um these kind of attacks keep in mind what the reason is is control occupation reverse blame taking from those that have to make it yours plausible deniability is very important all these factors are thought out in these think tanks this is all coming from think tanks that operate for these, this cabal, these, these agencies, the 17 agencies. They have think tanks. I was actually being recruited to be part of a think tank, right? So that's what they're doing. They try to use minds that are bright to come up with ways to subjugate the rest of us. Yes, and using the gifted and talented right. programs, all of that. And then thumb God away. Basically, they have a view of harnessing God, they say, where they don't believe God is a being. They believe God is a uh, is representative of their power and they want to harness that power so they don't conceptualize like we do in faith they think faith is silly that's what's um, echoed in the immortals in the end 
God outwits man when man tried to outwit God. That's the end of the Matrix story, the immortals. So what you have is you can tell that it was, like you said, in Canada with a um, centralized point and instantly by looking at Lahaina. If you go to Lahaina, you see a spot that's now been publicized. And um, you have an area on upper Lahaina. When I would do shows and things there for schools and centers, you would have, if you went up to the top, highest high school, right, up the up the mountain in Lahaina, the back west mountains, you come to um, a point where it just drops off. Civilization ends, you know, and you have just mountain. <clears throat> At that highest point, there was a new development. And in that development, you see two cars fried to a crisp, melted aluminum, melted aluminum, and you see uh, it running like a little river, a silver river off. <clears throat> you even see um, burned out cars to cr- just wasted and rubber hoses turned to ash, basically. Okay, or melted. Now, that spot is basically as big as um, someone's back porch in diameter. So it's, it's a very local spot that you can see it came from above, and made this circle, like you were just sending down a like a lead pencil onto paper and just made a little circle on paper. It came from above, down, and you did that. Everything in that circle is fried, melted, destroyed, killed, burned. But it's in this residential area up on the higher level, right, the first area, where they did a test stab. It was a test ray. And so it's it, the fingerprint's right there. So these dogs had the audacity to test it first outside the historic area to make sure it's working before they commit to destroying that historic area. Now there's thumbprints on this besides that, and that should really boggle the mind. That should really alert people that this was tested first instantly. It it was totally effective. And then they unleashed it. And what, if you were on the ground, when I'm told you would hear this, you would hear like a, and it would be like one house done, one house done, one house done. It is a beam. It's not a widespread like tornado sized thing. It is a focused energy thing. So those witnesses could not survive to talk about that. What they saw was flames everywhere. Um, just this incredible horror. But if they were to, if people were to look into their minds and in the future will be able to actually do that with Neuralink, you'll be able to see that, um, they have a recollection in there of something, a sound, a signature sound. That signature sound is going to be found to be with all these different witnesses buried in there where they're going to react to that sound, almost like shell shock, almost like uh, Vietnam vets that had been affected by uh, intense bombardment bombardment or um, attack where it seemed hopeless. So that's basically it. It's almost like a latent PTSD. They're going to recognize a sound and react to that sound. In World War One, they had a guy that was um, named, um, uh, what was it? Um, shell shock gym or something where he never spoke, couldn't communicate. He was a vet soldier it was right after world war one and after the terrible bombardments. And all he would do is if he said bomb, he would crawl under his cot. That was it. It was the only thing he would ever do in life was he'd just look around all the time. And if you said bomb, he would go under. That's the only reaction you ever get from him. And I believe that they created a terror, a psychological psyche print terror that these people are going to be reactive to certain things, those that survived, certain sound, a certain frequency, a certain sound is going to upset them, is what I'm just saying. That's something for us to be aware of as we look into this to help them also to put these pieces together. Now, what's interesting is you have 
all these buildings burning, but certain ones not. We know about the blue roofs. We also, but let's look at what happened before. Lahaina was a no-touch zone for all the time since they became an, uh, uh, annexed in 1959. Before that, during the whaling times, you did not touch Lahaina. And then after the ruling of zoning laws, you never could alter Lahaina. When I was on Maui for the 11 years, you never, we were told that no one, real estate people said you couldn't touch Maui, don't, don't touch Lahaina. You can't do anything there. You have to keep all these codes that are ridiculous, ridiculous codes. So again, how do you get around it? So the think tank comes up with something. They have the governor change the law on zoning codes for Lahaina within a month before the attack. Does that sound familiar? What happened at the towers in New York? Now I'm talking about this comes from New York planning and DC. What happened in the towers in New York? They had inspections and they had these security guys coming in under Bush's relative. Uh, they heard the things happening, but weren't told what they were. Wall, like the certain floor, the activity was going on the heaviest. Yep. Installations, things like that. And what did Greenspan or whatever his name is, the um, Jewish landowner who bought yes, the I towers? Yes, I recall that guy. Right. Yep. So how long before the disaster there, the hit, did he buy the insurance policy, buy the towers, That's right. and especially invest in a terrorist attack? Yeah, I forgot about that. Right. That's right. So look at Maui now. See, they leave these stupid thumbprints because they don't think we'll follow it. They don't think people mm -hmm. think in layers. To, that's why people who write are, you know, gifted like ourselves, you know, geniuses are a threat to the agencies. They try to hire us in or bring us into the Masons, things like this, because we think in layers. We can think these things through and see the puzzle pieces visually and put them together. Yeah, and if they keep us dumbed down with, you know, fluoride in the water and, and public education designed by the Rockefellers and keep us entertained with beer and football, then <laughs> that's exactly it. And, 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 and steal all our money through the federal reserve, you know, theft, uh, devaluation of our currency. We don't have any time to, to right. do anything. We're working all the time. Exactly. That's exactly it. So what you have is look at how we're talking right now. Does this make sense? You now, this is a rough thing because often people are like, Tom's all over the map. No. If you follow what I'm doing and rewatch things, you'll see them hitting every single point. Like I'm looking at a visual universe of our topic, right? Yep. And it's like I'm hitting each spot on that universe and covering so, each so spot. So other than a, other than a theft, you know, to give it to who, who are, who are getting these, uh, bits of land the the elite yes what are they using it for great there we go uh here's the here's this is i'm not don't mean to laugh but this is very important to note what's going on too is you got to look at those that are going to be part of the being the saviors of lahaina and maui okay now what's interesting is um we have uh different celebrities we have different film studios we have different agencies. I'm playing with my uh, mic headset cord because it seems to be going in and out so um, badly. But anyway, so what happens is you have suddenly Oprah Winfrey offering her condolences to help all this stuff. You've got Elon Musk with interest there, Tom Hanks, all these different celebrities from George Harrison, you name it, that have bought up the property and multi-estates on Maui because it is a beautiful, beautiful place. It's also supposed to be a new elite center where if you are in um, an elite and there needs to be a, 
switchover or a reset, you go to Maui. So that's your fallout okay. shelter. Right? So this is a refuge. Tom, I wanted to ask you a question. Um, so how, how are, how are uh, individuals and organizations able to buy this land up? Is the locals not able to rebuild? Are they, they, they in a situation where, you know, they have to surrender it? I mean, if it was me or you, it, you'd think, we'll just rebuild. You're not getting my sacred land. Right. I hear what you're saying. Now, here's the deal. That's why it goes to this point that I was getting a, this, the static on uh, here, was that the law was changed by the governor, first of all, that the zoning codes no longer apply. So for the first time in Hawaiian history, Lahaina had no protection as far as an historic site. That's done within a month before the attack. Now, keep. let me follow the trail here. Ready? So then the attack happens. Those homes are obliterated, families lost, children, pets, you name it. It's wiped out, except for certain buildings. We'll get to that later. But right now, you've got this wiped out society. You've got people being told they cannot leave. They're barred. they got to stay in there. They're told to turn around and head back in. At the towers, people were told to go back up the stairs. Back up the stairs, they were told, as they came down before the second tower fell. Isn't that something? Same pattern. And so what you have here is, here's your answer, I think, Luke, is that the people that are indigenous are traumatized. They've lost everything. They don't have the funds to reconstitute. They're saying that it's open land now because of the governor's ruling. So therefore, it's open to those with deep pockets and stars and celebrities. And in fact, Warner Brothers is planning to build studios, a uh, resort studios or resorts there, just like Disney did. So, Disney, so they didn't have the they didn't have the insurance coverage. I mean, just just to add to Luke's question, a then. lot of the insurance coverage that I understand people had was bare minimum. These people were on sustenance level. You know, a lot of these indigenous people were not thriving. They didn't have tons of money. The people surrounding that historic and that's a historic area too. They're not going to have the extra cash to buy a historic area. See? Okay. So it's not, they can't get that area. So that area is now open, wide open, and basically pennies on the barrel. If you watch Hell on Wheels, the series about the railroads going, you know, railroads going, they're talking about how they change the value of an area where the hub's going to be, where then you can purchase it up for like pennies, and then you suddenly make it an important hub, Ah, and it's worth a fortune. So right now, the value of Lahaina is supposed to be considered minuscule where they have the plans of the Warner Brothers Studios and others to make it a, a super prime land estate, real estate again. And that means they and the investors are attracted that know of the plot, plot because they know that it's just like Pell on Wheels, that's going to become the hub again. And you're going to get Okay. Yeah. And so do you feel like, I mean, we've talked a little bit about, you know, you, you mentioned Elon with his with the X, the final solution. Yeah. You know, I'm going through uh, Russ, the late Russ Dizdar's uh, training online that's available for free on um, Shatter Shatter the Darkness I think dot net. Mm-hmm. Um, going through his teaching on the Black Awakening, which is a term that these um, Luciferian super soldiers, I guess, uh, these uh, occult multiples are are planning uh, to, to usher in chaos. And you see that in, you know, the Islamic tradition of the Mahdi that, that, that this chaos needs to happen. So do you, 
Do you think that's tied into this as as far as oh, a, absolutely. A hub of, if you want to if you want to see the thinking of the cabal, go to World War One, World War Two. What was one of the main tactics used in World War One? The British, the Germans, they all did it. They try to get indigenous to turn on themselves. They try to get a jihad going. Look at Lawrence of Arabia. They try to get the British try to get a jihad going in Turkey, Ottoman Empire, so that the Arabs would take take the Ottomans out basically by taking you know um, the different places. And promising them their own um, uh, sovereignty and then not delivering it, never planning to give it. Even Lawrence Arabia knew they weren't going to give it to him. What I'm saying is that while well, he was doing working with the Arabs, what they're doing is they're trying to get people to do these very things, to rise up on their, against their own, create chaos. And then their plan is that after they deal with each other they'll come in and take what they want and set up what they want. Yeah, and and you mentioned the wars, and that reminds me of Albert Pike. Um, I don't know, Luke, if you're familiar with that, but he was, you know, the, the a Freemasonic leader back mm-hmm. in the 1800s, mm-hmm. and he predicted three world wars, right? And uh, so we've had the first two, and this is all to push society into that one world government system. Exactly. It's all part of the plan from the t- think tanks. This has been going on since like World War II, before World War II, back to World War I. They were thinking of how to reorganize society where they could be masters of the horror and profit off the horror and get their agenda set through the horror and play it like a piano again. Now, back to Luke's thing, too. I do want to address it fully. When you are doing this kind of thing on Maui, too, just real quick here, Pete, is um, you're getting rid of the uh, next generation. See? So those that would claim that land are being wiped out. The sons are being wiped out. It's like the sons of Israel. They're being wiped out at that time. And same thing happened to me. Who did they kill of mine? My sons, right? And they marry off the women. So there's this caveman mentality <clears throat> that operates <clears throat> excuse me, within the cabal. And that is going on now. Even and we see that thumbprint again, another thumbprint on Maui. If you don't want people to reclaim their rights, get rid of their whole dynasty, get rid of their whole generation, generations. I, I did shows for those kids and they're gone. And then suddenly we have crickets. They count on people to start losing interest. They have indoctrinated our audiences and people to, uh, not this audience, but audiences of theirs to have a short term memory to lose. They'll be like, Oh my God, here's a disaster. Crickets. Here's a disaster. The next disaster, almost like the next favorite ice cream flavor. And they're being taught to think of it as entertainment and you're safe in your home while these happen. It's almost like they scheduled a program. Instead of programs being scheduled for the favorite hit, they're having a actual disaster hit as the favorite hit. So what they're doing is they're, they're having watch, – watch the timing of these. They're spaced out like you're scheduling a TV guide. Right, and with the twenty-four hour news that we have, right, right, you're you're glued to the latest thing. Another clue too, right, Pete? Another clue too is watch how prepared they are for disasters. Watch how prepared the mainstream media is to release footage, be on the ground, be there, and ready to go when the disaster happens. They are pre-notified, like at the towers. They know it's coming. They got cameras set to see it. They had that one thing at the towers where the lady is announcing, oh, the second building just fell. The second building didn't fall yet. It hadn't fallen. That it did. They're clued ahead of time. Yeah. You're absolutely right, Tom. This is a playbook. Mm -hmm. I'm listening to um, Robert F. Kennedy's latest book, uh, The Wuhan Cover-Up. Okay. And he documents 
from like the World War II era, this Japanese doctor who was like a Mangala type, <clears throat> he was doing awful uh, bio and chemical experiments on Chinese and others. And one of the things he mentions in that book is that uh, the whole um, bioweapons program that we we recruited him, by the way. OK, you guys need to listen to his his audible book or read it. Um, and the and the predecessor, uh, the real Anthony Fauci, it's uh, very important information. But just like Operation Paperclip with the Nazis brought in and hired right. and what started CIA, what started NASA. OK, they did the same thing with this Jap this uh, Japanese scientist. The Russians were trying to prosecute him for war crimes and the U.S. brought him in and hired him. We wanted to learn from him. Okay, but one of the things they mention in in, uh, Robert F. Kennedy mentions in his book is that the the vaccine program and the bioweapons program work together. They're able to cover themselves one for the other. Yes. But they but they also aren't going to develop a germ warfare until they have the vaccine first. Right. So they got it you know, protect the, the good side, their side, they have to have the vaccine first. Now, okay. Now we can use the, the germ warfare or the biotech or the chemical warfare or what have you. Right. So you're absolutely right that, that they put both halves together and then put it out. There. Well, that's the thing I was warning about Pete and Luke was in the immortals, uh, which keep in mind, Warner brothers copyrighted the title immortals. They did not copyright the title matrix. There is no copyright for Warner brothers on matrix. It's on immortals. And we find it more and more. And they even told Sophia Stewart, who was the person brought in to claim, sounds like I'm sidetracking, but I think this is important, is that um, they sent her a letter, a very important letter from Kate Chilton, the main architect of all this uh, ripoff. And she tells her, you can claim Matrix title. We don't claim that. We claim the Immortals title. So that's why this is important because in the Immortals, here's the point I'm getting to, it talks about these chips and the enhancers, the neural links in it, where they're diseased by the architect. They're diseased so that they can uh, biomember breakdown and be triggered to cause um, disruption from the program and also sickness and aging at a rapid pace. That's done in the screenplay, where if you get everybody chipped, then that can be where you set a certain color code on the chip that the people installing it would know, installing it. And that would mean a person would have an erratic one where the membranes break down and release a certain thing that would basically be a um, cyanide bill. And if you have, or akin to that biologically, and then you have um, uh, others that are coded for being yellow and others coded as being uh, blue. And if you're blue, that means that you will not have anything happen to you with the chipping process. If you are um, red, which again, that red pill, blue pill reverse, if you're red, then that means that that could go off at any time in a certain period of the myomembrane breakdown. And that will look like people are dropping at different times all over the place where they can say plausible deniability. We didn't do it. These are happening to people all over the place at different times. Sound familiar with yeah. a certain jab? So is, with, this yeah. the, is this the ear transmitter that you mentioned um, at one point, the, the incision nanobot, or is this more mark of the beast kind of thing? Both are. So what you have is okay. the, the uh, ear thing is a precursor to the Neuralink. The Neuralink okay. is the golden ticket. That is the Willy Wonka factory tour. That is going to be the thing that they are set on. That's why they gave Elon Musk credit for that work and changed the laws in the patent office when the case was being thrown in 2014. 
They change mm. the law that it's not who created it first and publishes it. It's who spikes it at the patent office first. Elon Musk didn't even spike it at the patent office. They had people do that for him. So that was done when the case was being thrown. They claimed my neural link. And that's a while. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. So before we kind of, and I know you, we touched on a ton of things and, uh, and <laughs> honestly, Luke and Tom, I love, I love the rabbit trailing because I think there's an interconnectedness to, as you call it, the cabal, um, to the playbook that we've discussed on previous episodes with you. So I think it's important to, to draw those dots and, and set those up in your mind as we go forward. So anything else you wanted to touch on Maui? And I wondered too about, uh, about a trafficking hub as well. If they, they were trying to use that. Yeah. You just hit upon something. My mind works as a writer, as you see, right. And I believe God designed me to do that to, I can look outside the box at all the pieces of the puzzle on the table and examine it as if the picture was together. That he does that for some of us, right? And it's it's a great gift. It also feels like a curse sometimes because people won't want to buy that. They won't want to say, "How do you know that's what the picture is?" But one of the things that happened in World War One, and then what I want to do too is I'm thinking layers again. Is I want you to I want both you and Luke, both of you, to come up with the most uh, the biggest question you have where it feels subtly, subconsciously incongruent that Tom does not make sense. I want to stab at the heart of what might be doubt. And and critical thinking is important. This might help audiences too. So I want you to both think of something where it seems weak and it seems like, can you provide a little more on this or make sense of this? Because the way you described it when you went through it with a layer of thinking seemed to leave something out, a connective bone or something. So if there's something even faith-based that seems like it's a little bit off, think of that right now. And um, then I'll go on with this one part while you do that. That's part of layered thinking. So what I want to answer is in World War I, something amazing happened again with the British Empire. There's talk about the British Empire actually basically um, has control of this country still. Um, We are, we never really left. One of the theories is in some levels, we never really left the empire. We still are very much connected you know, the princess die phenomenon, everything else, the Beatles, you name it way back. The um, whole idea of the royalty, the whole idea of the Bank of England. We are still tied to them. And in World War One, it was a very important period for people to be aware of and study to see where we diverge, where we suddenly hit this path where they suddenly put the snow tires on us and have control and traction where they're basically towing our vehicle. We were subjugated by Woodward Wilson giving in in World War One. There's a couple different clues to that. At when he came to do the um, League of Nations and get a you know governing body where wars would be prevented, he gave in to the British um, delegate at the at the four, the power of four, whatever it's called, um, when they were coming up with the uh, demands for Germany and reparations for the Axis. Um, he gave in. He changed. He changed from saying I want everybody to be at peace to going with the English viewpoint of let's and the French viewpoint of let's punish these guys, let's let's ravish them basically and make it impossible for them to pay as basically a, a, a slamming on them. And uh, what's interesting what's happened in World War I, I'll point out, again, the British Empire. The Ottoman Empire was um, Turkey. I'm not, I can't help but mind think some puns sometimes. Basically Turkey on a platter for <laughs> England. They saw okay. it roasted, basted, stuffing, cranberry sauce and everything. They, want, they saw the Ottoman Empire as weak. They took an easy target, just like the Italians did in World War II when they invaded Ethiopia. 
So they thought, you know, we're going to fight people with sticks. So Ottoman Empire is crumbling at this point. They didn't expect them to put up a fight. England goes in and just rips them, rips them apart. Because what are they, you know, they're, it's totally outclassed. What's interesting is this happens, this phenomenon. You talk about child trafficking. I'm going to tie everything together. Okay. Child trafficking really has its surge and rebirth, reinstitution, because I think it's been through all of history at different points, you know, at different levels, and mainly minuscule to hot, but it really gets hot in World War I. World War I is basically you throw out the book on morality. People lost these things. You'll hear soldiers coming back from the war saying, um, I did things I would never do. That also back to hell on wheels. They have the uh, uh, Union guys talking to the Confederate guy, Bohannon, about how in World War I, uh, two, uh, sorry, Civil War, it was actually, they loved it. They thrived during it. There was no rules. They could do whatever they want. The atrocities they'll never speak of again, but they did these terrible things to women and children and, and people indigenous. All right. In World War I, no exception. We saw these young men being thrust into terrible situations, and suddenly the moral compass is crushed with many individuals. The British Empire invades the Ottoman Empire. What happens? They have them destroying their men, their, their society, their life is destroyed. So what happens is grandfathers and surviving people are starving, and British Empire is allowing this. The officer, this one officer is told in this one documentary, that um, he was given a young girl, seven years old, follow me, by the grandfather. Please take her. We can't provide for her. Take her. He takes her. Then he says in the documentary something that's like they bury it in there, like James Cameron does in Avatar, right? You hear him say, I went back to the barracks, the officer's club, but went back to it. And I found out that every British officer also had a young girl. They also took in a young girl. Here's going on here. So what happens is during that war with World War I, when the moral conference, the British Empire leads the world in pedophile. Mm. Or I forget what it's called with, with girls. It's pedophile right. boys and pedophile. I think it works. For, okay, so it's, it's both. It covers both. Overarching. Okay. Yeah. I don't know some of the details of that, like language. But okay. the thing is yep. that you have these officers all with young girls, living with them, traveling with them, going where they go. What do you think is happening? right? No responsibility, no moral compass anymore. They've been doing all these terrible things. Pedophilia suddenly had such a, a lifting, such a boost to that evil. And what does the British Empire do really well, like our governments used to do? Cover things up. Oh, Excuse sure. it, allow it, cover it with their agencies. And so what happened was you have an institution, and I'm going to propose this, really set in World War I by the British Empire. And the U.S. picked it right up. We were just bosom buddies with Britain. And we picked up pedophilia. And it's to this day, it's part of our government. It's part of our Hollywood industry. It has become yes. an accepted thing that you go to these parties that they got a taste for. And it's disgusting to say it, but I don't know how else to phrase it. They got a taste right. for young children. Yep. And that's that's the yep. image I want to shock people with that they wake up. To Tom, this. since we're on this subject yeah. and the Epstein list, it just came out. Do you want to talk on that a little bit? Oh yeah, thanks, Luke. Go ahead. That's Sorry, good. I lost you for a second there. So you said about the Epstein list and talking about the yeah. I, list. I didn't know if you wanted to address some of that. Um, since that's in oh, the absolutely. News right now. Absolutely. Well, first of all, there's one parameter that's very important. You just raised for me here. Whenever you see a list by the mainstream media. You're going to think of it this way. Think of a, um, a um, thermometer, okay? You're going to see the mid-range, 
which is the um, like a fish tank. There's that red zone on the fish thermometer that shows you the uh, the nice the green zone that's nice for the fish, right? The Cinderella, Cinderella part. You have to above the thermometer, which is the dangerous part. When you see those lists come out, that's the green zone. That's the part they feel fine about releasing. The mainstream ah. media does not show you the upper echelon. So what it tells us is what, what people should realize. And it's a great question, Luke, is that when you see these lists, take it as a call to action to see that other 33% that's above it that are more established, more wealthy, more set, more in control within the cabal and all its functions, factions that is not being shown. That means they're releasing that to keep you from looking at top. Now, here's an example. And yeah. then I know you have a question, Pete, but let me, let me get this to you and I'll shoot right to you because you're the one that runs the show, but I'm on my Go layer thinking. I'm on my layered <laughs> flow, like how I write things, but I'll just do that real quick. In my case with Mike Lang of Disney and Harvey Weinstein, we know Harvey Weinstein. How many know Mike Lang? Mike Lang is Harvey Weinstein's boss. He's the red zone above that green area. Harvey Weinstein's a green area. Harvey Weinstein replaced Mike Lang as head of um, Miramax Films when he ran when I came forward, when Joel Silver ran. So, but in the news, they wouldn't put his name in anymore. If you Google Mike Lang of Disney, you'll see him show up in 2012 when I first was coming forward. And um, subsequently, he goes to film tracks still with a mission to launder intellectual property from authors that Disney doesn't have control of those certain uh, uh, intellectual property. So that's what he's all about. He was based in 1993 and formed in that time. Now, what my point is, when Disney, when I talked about this on a show where Bob Iger had, Bob Iger of Disney, had made a call, right? And he had one of his top guys, and I taped it. I have that tape where he, or digital, where he calls, or his associate calls and says, um, I'm on hold for like 20 minutes. Bob Iger's weighing the idea of talking with me and making a deal. For 20 minutes, you hear silence, the Disney music playing, basically. And then he gets back on. And the top guy at his office says, he'll be calling you tomorrow. I do an interview that night saying, Bob Iger's going to call me. I tape the call just for purposes. You know, they can have proof. And um, I then was drawn into the conversation of sex rings. Here we go. At Disney and Religious Right, how they're tied together, right? Disney and Religious Right. Bob Iger was fired the next day. And here's the point. Besides being fired the next day, remember how they have people ready? They did a sex sting on pedophiles at the Disney parks. 100 basically employees, the same time Bob's fired. That's desperation. Now, that's a PR, ni PR nightmare. It, they tried to spin it that they did good. They cleaned everything up instantly, yes. right? That's it's the bottom layer. Yes. It's the bottom yes, layer. Yes. Yes. That's that green zone on your thermometer. So then the red zone is the middle management and all the upper management that's protected by that smoke screen. Back to Canada fires. So what you got is you got that whole thing where they release that publicly as a tactic, as Luke said, the playbook, right? So that's what they do. Follow? So every time we hear, I want to condition people to be ready for this, to arm them. Every time you hear about a list being released, like you said, Luke, we're going to start to think instantly, where's the upper and middle? Where's the, okay, that should be only a clue to us that the main players are running for the hills. The main players are scared of being caught. It's like the uh, captain on a ship throwing his uh, midshipmen into the fire to protect yeah. himself. And this is why they hate Trump, isn't it? Yes, because Trump, they can't, Trump, they consider unpredictable. 
Yes. They don't know the next thing Trump's going to announce. It's almost like Trump's got their phone book, and he can pick any name and number. And they don't know who's going to be picked. They don't like Russian roulette. They like us to play Russian roulette. So with Trump, they don't know what's coming next with Trump. And that's the beauty of Trump. One of the beauties is that he's unpredictable. In the screenplay, Back to the Immortals, it all ties together, doesn't it? It's all about how do you defeat the architect who knows our choices and everything we're going to do, Neuralink and everything. He knows everything we're going to do. You become unpredictable. That's what it is. That's why interviews like this, where we free speak, we didn't script yes. this out, did we? We did not script no, this not out. not at all. How in the heavens Maui. could you <laughs> script out what I'm saying and what we're talking about when it looks like, quote, as they say, all over the map? No, we're layered thinking. If you put this all together, it's, we're addressing every point intricately, aren't we? It's the old it's the old movie from the 80s, Luca, Roddy Roddy Piper. Uh, we've got one that can see. Exactly. That's it. And you, know? and you got a bunch of us that can see together. They want yes. to alienate, isolate. Back to the playbook, Luke said. Well, that's alien, why. Isolate. That's why this. They have to. They have to accelerate this plan towards the one world government. You know, currency, religion. They have to accelerate it now. Okay, because we're in the age of information. The free flow of information with the internet has been the game changer, and it's uh, it's given us a platform like how, how we're talking right now, for one thing. <laughs> But but the free flow of information, well, right? Yeah. To, to to question the official narrative of things and the suppression. Oh my gosh! I mean, I don't know if you guys know this, but you go back six, eight, ten years. The things that we could look up on, say YouTube, the terms that we could put in, and the videos we could find, you can't find those anymore. No. I mean, Mark Mark Dice even did on on one of his videos. It was about Hillary. And he put in the exact title of his video that had over a million plays. He put in the exact title and the search results. It was buried on like page 15. So they purposely do this stuff. They're making it harder. They're trying to bury it down the memory hole to make us forget, to gaslight us and say these things didn't really happen. 